0: Hello, I'm Dr. Margaret, and welcome to Journey into an Unknown World on WebTalk Radio. As many of you know, who've been listening to me for over five years, that I have been talking about the strange and the unusual, making it normal, and the normal, twisting it around to make it a little bit strange and unusual. (laughs) Okay, so today I'm happy to be able to present to you a new idea, the Word. As you all know, in the Bible it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was made manifest. And since spirit guides have taught me that the Word is in fact a vibration, and a vibration is made over the larynx, by breath and certain resonation tones that cause us to hear a sound. But what sound we actually hear is not the actual word. It's more a question of intonated sound, like... (laughs) And our brain knows how to put those sounds together to say that somebody just said, do you want a cup of tea, for example... But let's go back in time to accept that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was made manifest. Let's stop and think for a minute just how many religions and philosophies around the world exist that verify and justify that God, the Creator, manifested us and everything else that we can see and hear and know exists through the vibration of light. Light is a result of friction. When we speak, we create a series of sounds forced through our larynx. What happens when we spit those words out is that we send a vibration from our mouth out to someone we're talking to who, if they are deaf, cannot hear what we're saying, and so, unfortunately, we'll not respond. However, deaf people can, if chosen to study themselves, feel the vibration of sound, and in feeling the vibration of sound, sense it as a sensory disturbance in their auric field. Most of us don't bother to use that part of ourselves until we are in danger. When that happens, we tend to become like frightened little mice. We stick our ears up as high as we can <laughs> from our head and twitch our eyes back and forwards, looking in every direction, while our back is sensing anything creeping up behind us, and we are on extreme observation, noticed as it were, within ourselves to protect ourselves from something horrible. But of course, we don't all know what fear is when we're born. As little babies, we may have absorbed the idea of fear from the mother in the womb, but ultimately, the first five years of love and life are about preserving us, keeping us safe, and so many of us are exposed to religions, and uh, we give given lots of prayers. And one I always remember learning when I was small is, gentle Jesus, meek and mild, look upon this little child. And it went on further. Won't bore you with that now. But, of course, that had a very strong uh, impression on my mind that Jesus was going to take care of me. The interesting thing is that whenever Jesus turned up in my bedroom, and that was quite frequently as a child, he never said anything. He never gave me comfort. He just stared at me. And when he'd gone, I still felt lonely and miserable. So what is it about communication that is so important to us? It's not the words. It's the intonation. It's the way words are used. Some words can be shouting, another time they can be soft. It all depends on how we perceive everything that's going on around us. We think about going to the movie, shall we say, and when we get there, we want to hear all the sounds so that we're on the edge of our seat during the movie. When we come out, we usually find ourselves saying, Wow! that was a really good movie, it got me really scared and frightened. Or, hey, that was a really good movie, I really identified with every character in the movie because of the way they were talking, the faces they were making, the situations they got into. So, how much does music affect us when we're watching a movie? Years ago, when I was watching Jaws with my best friend, when that um, finally, you know, the moment came when the shark came out of the water, I jumped on my friend's lap because the music had gone on for so long. I was ready to run for my life, even though it was a movie. Yes, as children, we are set up with religion, philosophy, theology, spirituality movies, TV sounds, news it goes on and on and every time we hear all those sounds there's a part of our brain saying is that a danger sound or is that a loving warm sound is that something I feel safe with and can manage or is that something I want to run away and hide what about sounds in the street for example, I was walking down the road in Japan, and I heard this terrible squeaking above my head, and I looked up, and there above my head was a giant crane carrying something like five pipes, and one had slipped a little. It was not in danger of falling on me, but it was enough for me to be afraid. The screeching sound caught my ear, and I was petrified of that sound not because it was above my head as I said earlier but because it reminded me of some scaffolding years ago when I was a child that we daringly climbed and got in trouble for climbing yes the strong word of reprimand probably weighed heavier on my soul than the actual screech of the metal bars but how do we know How do we know what it is that makes us make up our mind, whether we like a sound or we hate a sound? Well, it all depends on how we see where that sound is coming from. If we know a bubbling brook is falling over stones, and we've seen one many times, we just sit by it and say, how wonderful, that's a lovely sound, it calms me down. But if we've seen a torrent of rain and we've seen mud sliding down the hills, then when we hear the trickle of water coming down the hill over the babbling brook, maybe we're not so thrilled. Maybe we're ready to run away from our home and everything that's safe and comfortable in the hope that we'll be safe elsewhere, ultimately praying that our home will stay where it is and not slide down the hill too. As we grow up, we are exposed to many people's points of views. On a daily basis, we have people who tell us, this can't be done that way. You have to follow the rules and fit in with society. If you don't go to church often enough, or practice your prayers frequently, you will be doomed into gloom and all eternity that is negative. What chance do we have to really believe that whatever is going on around us is actually wonderful and full of joy and pleasure when every sound we hear around us sounds disturbing, scary? The other day I was watching a movie about zombies. These zombies were all Broken skin, gray skin, they looked horrifying, and they were coming up to the camera and snarling. I didn't like that, okay? And I thought to myself, how stupid. But that night when I went to bed, guess what I heard? Those snarling noises. And for a moment or two, I could sense I'd been affected by them, and it was scary to me. In our dreams, we often dream scary things. We dream the sounds, the faces, and we put them together in a fantasy illusion that gives us a nightmare. Then we wake up feeling threatened. Here I'd like to just mention that I have my book, The Rejection Syndrome, which is available to you online on Amazon or from me at www.sumaricenter.com That's S for sugar, U-M, as in mother, A-R-I-S for sugar, center, spelled American, dot com. Now, let's go on to sound. What about sound in the outer stratosphere? What about the planes that Move faster than the speed of light, leaving us with a sound when there's nothing in the sky to be seen. What about sounds of spaceships and aliens that we think are making those noises? What about the solar flares that hit our planet days later? There are so many sounds. That are going on around us all the time And we do not know that they are affecting us But trust me, they are If there's an underground water, lake, river Where you live There's a part of you that knows it And can hear when the pressure changes Underneath, in the ground Others are able to hear the sound Of the rumbles of molten lava They live near a a volcano Others may hear the sounds of the ocean, recognising that it doesn't sound its usual serene sound, but rather sounds more ferocious. Attached to every sound we've ever heard is our belief emotionally in how these sounds are affecting us. Here's another example. When I was a small child, I saw a film about the Grand Canyon and in that film, a short film we were flying through the Grand Canyon I was five years old and I wanted to go and Spirit told me I would so I said to my mother please take me there now in a loud voice in the cinema she said shh, shh, don't shout one day well that was enough for me to remember that place, the shushing and whenever I heard shushing over the years I'd think Grand Canyon, I've got to go there someday. And when I finally did go there and I finally did get a helicopter and go down to the Colorado River and float around on it, I cried like a baby because the baby in me had got a dream come true. Yes, we have a lot of hopes and dreams on broken promises throughout our lives. But the one thing you can be sure of is that your spirit guides, if they tell you they will provide something for you, they will. It's just a question of when. And when could be many years before you're ready for it. So my five-year-old child, in this instance, had to wait until I was 45, before I could actually get to go down and see the Grand Canyon. And what a joy that was. But not everything is full of joy. Some sounds are awful. The screaming mother, the yelling drunk father, the brother or the kids in school who are bullying you. All these words are used in different ways to scare you, to worry you, to make you believe that you have no power and that someone else has more power than you. The truth is, no one has greater or lesser power in one word than you do. If you say I hate everything every day then you will hate everything every day. Not everything that you believe is true to you. Many of the thoughts you made as a child are out of date so you need to clean the slate as it were of the old Phrases, ways of speaking, that you either learned from your grandma, your mother, your siblings, father's side, grandparents, and so on. Those words that you learned were their way of speech pattern. Find your own speech pattern. Years ago, I found that I kept saying words that were very simple, and I wanted to change them. So, I found the word, abundance. And I started to say, instead of, there isn't much, I say there's an abundance of things around and I'm going to look for them. People thought I was a bit silly. But there are many, many things out there to look at, touch, explore, and even take home if you believe that you have the skill to go look and find things. Today, we have lots of teachers, we have lots of friends, And there are lots of TV and radio shows where people are sharing with you their knowledge, their skills, their abilities. But remember this. It is your passion and desire to learn. And learning is very easy when you have a lot of passion. To get out there and study the world by listening to the sounds of the world. Have you ever walked through a busy street in a major city? The sounds of the cars, honking of the horns, the chatting of people on street corners, the squeal of brakes, the noise of trucks and buses. It goes on. When you listen to all those sounds, there's a part of you saying, I know what those sounds are, they're familiar. I'm not going to bother to look around and study that bus anymore, or I'm not going to watch the truck go down the street. I've got more things on my mind, such as, I have to work, I have to do things that are important in my life to keep food on the table and my rent's paid. Statements like, I have to, are old-fashioned statements. You should replace it with, I'd like to make money so that I can manifest food on my table. So I'm going to lift my head, look around, ask questions. Just as Jesus said, seek and ye shall find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. Ask and ye shall receive. Again, the words of kindness, the words of love, The words of truth are important to you in your life. If you lie to yourself, telling yourself falsehoods about who you are, telling yourself that you hate people and you hate the world, and you hate the investments of life, then you are in a poor state. You are in a depression. You are without hope, without honor, and without justice. Coming back to in the beginning was the word, in the beginning was your word, your first word. It could have been mum or dad or something else. But whatever your first word was, it led to a second word, a third word, a fourth word, etc. The idea of many words in your vocabulary leads you to say, I have a habit of using my words in a certain formation. My speech pattern is relative to my upbringing. If I speak English and I say the word pan, you might not understand me because you don't know that pan in French means bread, that pan in French means bread in English. So, if you go to different countries around the world, you'll find that the conversations have different connotations because of the phrasing and the usage of those different language words. You listening will watch body language, watch facial expressions, watch actions and copy them and begin to understand remotely a little at first, but later with constant observation, the words that they speak. Your brain will process those words and teach you to speak another language. Most of us get too lazy to try and learn another language when we're older. But if we have enough passion and desire to speak in a different language, then we soon learn that we have to also listen and feel very carefully to understand that the way words are said in another language may have an entirely different connotation to the words said in your native language. As a result of intermarriage, there are many couples who come from different backgrounds who have laid emphasis on their education from their family on the way phrasing is formed. When these two very different families come together, it is not unusual for them to be arguing and having conflict over what they believe they've heard, simply because the emphasis on the words has a different connotation. How loud it is, how soft it is, how emphasized it is. So here's a a little example. I'm going to use the word love. I love you. Do you love me? Love is very important in our lives. This little baby is so sweet, I just love it. Ah, look at this little dog so lovingly sweet. You don't love me. Love belongs to someone else. Nobody loves me. They're just a few examples of the way people think in their head. They put themselves down. They validate that they're not worth anything. So I'd like to leave you today with an understanding that without conflict, without disassociation from words, you are not going to learn to find new ways to phrase what you feel and think. Nor are you going to understand that the way you communicate is misunderstood by a lot of other people. Finding new ways to converse is like learning to speak a new language. Take out a dictionary. Look up the words you're familiar with. See what other words you could replace those words with. Do yourself a favor and use those new words. Given time, the practice of using new words will give you a new way in the enunciations of all the smaller words. Another word that I learned years ago was ubiquitous. It was on a commercial on television. I asked my father, what does it mean? He said, everywhere. Well, the ad was something to do with fish, I believe, canned fish, saying it was everywhere because everyone was eating it. But the bottom line is everyone around the world lives on this planet, and everyone on this planet has an idea about who they are and what they're doing. So we could say that every living human being is ubiquitous because we can find mankind on every island, every landmass, etc. Now, if I say the human race is ubiquitous, doesn't that give a different connotation as to the human race is overpopulated? It gives us a chance to think differently. So my suggestion to you is don't just take the words that you respond to for granted don't categorize them all into negative and positive groups. But rather, think about the uses of the word and uh, how you define your usage of that word and ask yourself, is it really doing you some good using the same word over and over again? Especially if you're trying to talk to someone who never seems to get you or understand what you're talking about. Change your tactics. Change your voice. Change the nouns. Find a different one. Change the verbs to describe the action. Find a different way. Here's my example again. My normal speech pattern would be, I'm going to go on the lake in a rowing boat and I'll be gone about three hours. If I change that, I might say, the lake looks inviting. I think I'll row there for three hours. When I'm done, I'll call you. It sounds different. It makes you sound you're caring about someone else. It's always important to think about other people. When I was writing my book, pro-life, pro-choice, pro-spirit. I wrote it because a doctor had been murdered over that issue. What a dreadful thing that someone could find in their mind enough words to convince themselves that because a woman has chosen to have an abortion that the doctor who did it should be killed and go out and actually do that. In the same way, look at the Middle East right now and ask yourself how many people are talking in ways that they choose to focus on that is causing that war to continue. How can we reiterate what is going on in a better format, in a better sentence, so that people can begin to see there is an answer and not just throwing bombs at one another but an answer that is deeper, full of truth and honesty, that will allow a person to see themselves and ask themselves, why am I doing this? Wouldn't I prefer to have a country that is growing and evolving instead of a country that is dissipated into just a bond out society? It's not for me to say what people should or shouldn't do. It's for each of us to say personally what we should or shouldn't do. And we should be able to say that to ourselves with love, truth, and honesty, so that when we actually open our mouths to speak, we are clear about who we are and what we want to share. If we all thought about how we sound when we talk, there would be less arguments, there would be less damage to people as a result of arguments, there would be less murders on this planet, there would be more sense of one who is loving or trying to love another, there would be more peace in the hearts of those who are trying to listen, and to understand. There would be more peace in the hearts of those who are exploring and challenging themselves and there would be more peace in our leaders who rule the world to keep us in some way safe. Whether you live near a volcano, an overflowing river, a storm area, like snow, whatever it is in some way, Mother Nature may threaten you. But know this, that in her wake of destruction, she leaves an opportunity for all of us to build a new life, a new home, a better business, a greater understanding of ourself and how important we are, rather than the material things that we try to obtain. And in the process of that, come to understand that if we reject Mother Earth, then we reject ourselves. But if we embrace Mother Earth, then we embrace the truth of our lives, of the philosophy and theology of spirituality. Do not let anyone talk you into doing something you do not want to do. That's my final statement today. You must be the one who can convince yourself that this is something you actually want to do. When you have that understanding, then the next thing to know is passion and desire to stimulate you to get on with all that you've been talking about. So don't give up. Believe in who you are, believe in what you have to share, get out there, make new friends and share everything that you are. So until we meet again, enjoy this show and please do share it with others. And do watch out for the start of our seminars or webinars, we're not quite sure what we're going to call them yet. I'll be teaching you based on all of these shows. And over a period of time, I know you'll walk away with a great deal of information. So until then, be well. Goodbye.